Let's pray. Lord, it is um, it's good to be here again and to be here in your presence. And um, yeah, good to be reminded of, um, yeah, today just how, um, you know, eternal you are. And um, yeah, that, uh, I, I guess that song we we're just singing, that idea that it's uh, better is one day in your courts. Um, and I guess we look forward to that day where we'll, we'll be in your house, we'll be in your courts, where, there, where righteousness is served, where, um, where, the, where your word, Lord, is, is true and, um, and, and your faithfulness is re- revealed and, and, and there's justice and there's holiness, God. And we just, today, um, it's just a great song that goes along with the theme of what we're going to be looking at. And I pray that it would, um, yeah, just help us to get a picture of who you are. And, um, and as we go about our lives in this world that seems a bit broken, um, more than a bit broken, God, it seems messed up at times. And, uh, Lord, to know that there's a God who is, who is um, not broken, there's a God who's holy and righteous and just, and, he's, and you're going to bring that about in our lives and in, and in eternity. And um, we look forward to that day, God. And so, uh, Father, I pray that your spirit would help us to understand these things. I pray that you'd be at work, that you'd be uh, transforming us today to become more like your son, Jesus. I pray that today the message would be honouring to you, that, um, yeah, we would just be able to soak in your truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so last week, if you were here, you will know that we were looking at the poem out of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and how... um, in that poem, it talks about the different seasons and times that, that people can experience in their life. Everything It says there's a time for everything under the sun, and it explains all of these uh, opposites you know, that, that we looked at last week. And, and what the wise teacher is actually trying to show us in that poem, by including these many things in that poem, was that God actually doesn't just have control over these particular things, but everything. They, they were kind of like the two ends of the spectrum of all different facets of life. And he says, God's got his, his, his hand over it all. He's in control of it all, right? He's perfectly planned every season and time that we move through in this life. And there's a completeness to which he's in control, right? And so we took some encouragement from that. Another thing we said was that although there are many things listed in the poem, it was not the case that every one of us experiences all of these things in our life under the sun, right? It was more so that each person's experience of life under the sun would fit somewhere in the breadth and, and, uh, and completeness of what God is holding in his hands, right? So it's like a snapshot of the possibilities of life. It's a snapshot of everything God holds in his hands, And um, our lives and our experience fits somewhere in between that. And so it's a cool thing to reflect upon, right? And so we finished off last week's message there. But what we find, if you keep reading through chapter 3, is that our wise teacher brings up something that every person will experience, right? So he's like, you're not going to get all of this in your life necessarily, but God's in control of it all. But there is another thing that every person will experience, and, and he's not, he does actually talk about death a bit later, right? That's an obvious one. Every person is going to reach the end of their life one day. But it's something else we're talking about today. Our wise teacher says that 
the thing that you can be absolutely sure of, that you will experience at some point, is that there will be a time when God takes everything that is broken, everything that is wicked, everything that is evil and corrupt, everything that is not the way he designed it to be, everything that has happened that should not have happened, everything that is a result of living in this broken world, he's going to take all of it and it says he's going to bring it all to account. He says you can be sure of that. He says that's a time to be sure of. He says while there's times and seasons, all different things in life that you may or may not experience, here's the thing you can be sure of. God is going to bring every deed, everything to account. He says it in verses 15 uh, through to 17. We'll just, we'll just look at 15 and 16 first. It says, whatever is has already been. And what will be has been before. And God will call the past to account. God will call the past to account. And I saw something else under the sun. He says, in the place of judgment, wickedness was there. So he's reflecting on what he sees around him. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. He says, I'm seeing something very wrong. In the place where good and right decisions are supposed to be made, instead he's seeing wicked decisions and corrupt decisions being made. And I think we can all identify with that a little bit in our lives, right? Rather than, um, but rather than leaving himself in this place of despair and lament over the things that he sees, where he's like, man, things are broken and it's not right, Rather than leaving himself there, the wise teacher goes on and he sort of reassures himself as though he's talking to himself. He says in verse 17, I said to myself, God will bring into judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. God will bring into judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. And the Amplified Version says it this way, there is a time appointed for every matter and every deed. And as we start off today, I'd like for us to pause for a moment to consider what our lament and our despairing questions might be. You know, when you look around at your life, your experience and the world that we live in, what questions do you have to ask of this place? <laughs> you know, man, what, what would you say in the place of, where, where there should be goodness and, ju- and justice, what do you see? What's been part of your experience? Is there a matter in your life or a deed that you've experienced or something you are going through now where all you can say is in the place of justice, wickedness is there? And maybe for some of us it's not necessarily something we're going through. Maybe it's something that someone else is going through that's close to us or we know, we know of them maybe just a general look at the state of the world and you go, man, in the place of justice, wickedness is there. It seems like we can, get, we can get sucked into this idea that wickedness is going to prevail, whether we like it or not, you know what I mean? And so today there's some good news for us in this because when, usually when you talk about God's judgment, it can be a bit of like a oh, negative topic. Why do we have to talk about that? But actually this is the positive side Right? There is a time appointed for every matter and every deed 
to be called to account before God. There's a time appointed. It's like this is a promise. We can hold on to it. There's a time appointed where the things that we've been through, those wicked, evil things that have happened to us and in our life and just the general brokenness, man, justice is coming, right? God's going to set things right. Now, fair enough, there's a bit of mystery over how God's going to make that happen. But to trust him at his word here, that's a pretty awesome thing. Now, I want to come... um, I want to come forward into the book of Revelation now because we're talking about the, it's not often that the topic of judgment comes up and so I'm excited to talk about it a little bit because it's a cool it's a cool topic, right? It's a good thing. There's lots of facets to it. We're going to go forward to Revelation chapter 19 and this is what it says here in verse 11. I saw heaven standing open and there before me, was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and wages war. Of all the wars going on in this world, of all the wickedness and messed up stuff happening that you see, it's, they're not waged with justice, right? No one's judging these days with justice, it seems. But it says Jesus, when he returns, it says with justice, He judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. I think this is like what a little boy's vision of Jesus would be, you know, if if we were to say, what do you think Jesus looks like? They're like blazing fire and sword coming out of his mouth and a white horse, you know, robe dipped in blood, you know what I mean? It's like this is cool, like a cool tattoo, you know what I mean? You could get this on your a sleeve on your arm or something. He says, his eyes are like blazing fire. And on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. And his name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth, is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so I wonder if you had any doubt in your mind today of whether or not there's any hope for us who've put our faith in Jesus Right? If there was any doubt about whether or not we can trust God to bring righteousness, justice into our world, whether or not all things will be made right one day, we have good news, right? At the appointed time, Jesus and the armies of heaven are going to wage a just war against every wicked and evil deed done on earth. That is a point to rejoice over. While it's a little bit of a scary thought, it's actually a Uh, something to rejoice over. That's going to happen. This war will be waged with true justice, right? There'll be no questions about, are they going about this the right way? Finally just and holy and right. And at the appointed time, 
the word of God is going to be spoken over creation. You know what I mean? I know we call Jesus the word of God and his return. I'm picturing it like a tidal wave that just sweeps over all of the evil, all of the corruption, all of the wickedness, all the brokenness, and it just tidies everything up. You know, the, the slate is wiped clean. The word of God will be spoken over creation. At the appointed time, the fury of the wrath of God Almighty will come and in the most final and complete way possible, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords will reign. Every evil deed and concern of ours, everything that's happened in our life that just seems like, well, justice wasn't served, that person got away with what they did to me or however it is, God's going to bring it to account and that's, that's a good awesome thing that we can say, amen, let's, let's bring it on. You know what I mean? That's a cool thing for us. Maybe we should just stop there, go home. No, I don't know. That's, a, that's, a, that's an awesome thing. I just want it to sink in for us because that's a, not often we think about it, not often we bring it up that Jesus is coming back to wage war, a holy war against all evil. The question we often ask when we reflect on Judgment Day, as it's called, or Jesus' return is, when is this going to happen? Right? When is this going to happen? And for all of the many predictions and prophecies, you know, I often think of the funny ones where the, the like the Mayan calendar ran out, like, because they just thought that, that's enough, you know? <laughs> and, um, and people think that's going to be the end and all of these different predictions about when the end times will come. The best thing to do would be to hear about it straight from Jesus himself, right? In Matthew 24, 36, he says, But about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, right? Typical Old Testament story of God's judgment is Noah and the flood. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. What, what it's saying is everything was just going along like they didn't even know this was coming. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. And so what do you do? What are we left to do when we don't know when we'll get the thing that the world really needs? That's the question I'm asking. What should we do in the meantime? What should our lives look like while we wait in anticipation for the day Jesus returns sets all things right? Well, I think there are two things that come up today that we, could, that we could work on. The first of these is to focus on living our own life right. right. It's a very easy trap to fall into when we believe God is a God who's going to make things right and he's holy and he's, he's just and he's like that scary picture with the sword out of his mouth and all of this. Um, right? we, and, and, he, and he's told us that justice and goodness and righteousness are the way he's created things to be. The trap we fall into is we, we can become these enforcers of God's wrath now, you know, like we're, we're like little soldiers of God running around, setting things right, beating others into shape, 
preparing them for when Jesus returns, right? We can, we can go around with that attitude. But what we find is that while he places that passion in us, I mean, um, to give you an example, Jade is just like all about justice and fairness. You know, it's just, it's a part of, you know, God's image in her that just comes out in everything that she does. It's got to be fair, got to be right, got to be, got to be just, you know, and if it's not fair, that's not good. And she's right, okay? God's put those desires in our hearts for justice, desires to see good things happen in the world. But the overall teaching of Scripture is to start with yourself, yeah? Right? It's to start with yourself, lest we fall into hypocrisy, lest we start trying to remove the speck out of our brother's eye before we remove the plank out of our own eye. You know, all of these types of things, we get caught in this. Um, we, we become judgy people if we're trying to enforce God's wrath now. And so we need to make ourselves right before God. That's the first thing. If Jesus is coming back, let's focus on, our, on ourselves first. Matthew 7, 1 to 5, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So pretty plain and clear, words of Jesus. Focus on yourself first before you start thinking about fixing other people. Romans 12, Paul says, uh, Romans 12, starting verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, sorry, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so while we wait for Jesus, I'm not saying we need to be pushovers. I'm not saying that if we see something bad happening, don't intervene. But what I'm saying is um, let's reflect on our own life first in order to start seeing change in the world. This is actually a way to enforce God's kingdom and his reign now on the earth is in your own life, my family, the way I do my work, the way I lead my relationships, the way I serve my church, the way I can lead in my workplace or at my uni or my school or whatever it is, this is the way we can be enforcers of God's kingdom, right, in a right way, the way we live. This is how we do it. Jesus, help me to love my enemies. Jesus, help me to remove the plank from my own eye. Help me to remove the corruption and wickedness in my own heart, the things I can't even see yet before I go telling others how they've, how they've done the wrong thing. It's a challenging thing that we, we probably could have preached on all of these passages I'm looking at today in different... We could have done a sermon on judgment or I don't know, something. I mean, a series on judgment, right? But um, yeah, time to reflect on these things. We've got to leave room for God's wrath. Got to check our own spirits before we act and react to what's happening around us. And so 
Let's pause for a moment and reflect on that. How are we going with that? Right? In light of Jesus' return, how are we going with being in forces of God's judgment, you know, uh, of, of his righteousness and justice in the world in our own lives? Jesus is coming back. Let's live our own lives well. The second thing is to be ready for Jesus' return. And I'm taking the words be ready out of, out of Matthew 24 here. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. It's like a little illustration Jesus uses. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch. He would have been ready and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Maybe I've got these points back to front. If, if you're ready, it means you're in relationship with Jesus and at that point you need to focus on your own life and enforcing justice in that sense. But if you're not ready, it's time to get ready, right? Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him, right? So that magnificent return of Jesus that we started with is going to happen and Jesus has told us ahead of time that it will happen and while we don't know when, He says you ought to be ready for it. And when Jesus says we need to be ready, what he's saying is that in our life, while we might not like to admit it, we're born separated from Jesus, aren't we? Right? We don't have peace with Jesus until we come to this realisation of a couple of things. We're not going to be joining his army if we haven't understood a couple of things about ourselves until I've accepted my own faults and brokenness until I've acknowledged that there's something deeply wrong and sinful about me and my heart, until I've called out to Jesus in faith and said, Jesus, I can see that I'm actually a contributor to the wickedness, to the brokenness, to the evil, to the corruption of this world, and I need you to free me from my sin. It's perfect that the one who's coming to judge is the one who made a way for us to be free of judgment. Right? He bears all of God's wrath. Um, you know, when Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and he says, Lord, take this cup from me, right? Yet not my will but yours be done. Um, the picture of the cup that he's talking about, the, the, the cup through the Old Testament is this theme of God's wrath. He's saying, Lord, if I don't have to wear all of your wrath on the cross, then take it from me. But otherwise, your will be done. Right, And so Jesus takes on all of God's wrath on the cross for us and he's the only one who could have done it and rightly he'll be the only one who's able to say, hey, I gave you the opportunity to, to uh, take, take, the, take, take um, you know, my cross in your place. Is that right? And so until we say to Jesus, I need you to free me from my sin, I need you to establish your eternal reign in my heart now because that's what, that's what it means to have Jesus in your life. You say, you're kind of inviting that rider of the white horse to come into your heart now and say, yep, establish your kingdom reign now. You know, let that, let that sword coming out of your mouth sort of wash over my life now and transform me now. You know, get rid of the evil and corruption in me now. You know, before you come back then and do it to everyone who's not, Uh, had that experience. And so I need to ask you, every good pastor should ask this question. Some of us go through a long time sitting in church before we make that decision. You know, 
before we say, yes, actually, Jesus, you know, reign in my heart now. And so I need to ask you, does Jesus know you already? Do you have that assurance that when Jesus returns, he'll welcome you into his kingdom? We can make sure of that today. You know, if you're not sure and you want to talk to, talk to me, talk to me about it, right? We, need to, we can talk through it. We can figure out if, if you're unsure. But, but there's definite assurance for those who've made that decision. There's definite assurance that we'll be on the right side of the fence when he comes. And, and that's an awesome thing for us. And so a few things. Jesus is coming right? And what an awesome picture, an awesome time that will be for us, a time when all wrong is going to be made right. We can rejoice in that today. We better be ready for it, right? We better have said, Jesus, reign in my heart today so that I'm ready for when you come then. And then the third thing, I'm switching those last two points. The third thing is let's enforce God's kingdom in our own life now. Let's be people who live just and right and holy lives now. Not, not to, not to um, look really good and religious or whatever and be pharisaical about it, but to say, man, Jesus changed my life and he's reigning and so therefore I can live righteous and holy and he's transformed me and it's by his power, by the, by the power of the cross. And so very timely for us to celebrate communion now today and to celebrate the work of the cross and what that's secured for us. And so if you don't have a cup, it's a great time to grab it now because I'm going to read a passage and to prepare us for communion and then we'll share in it. We're going to look at Romans 5 and it just talks about the justification that Jesus has brought for us as individuals, right, and for his church. And this is what it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with the living God who's going to return. Through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, as in powerless to change ourselves, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? So the one who's coming to dish out God's wrath is the one who's made a way for us to be justified and freed from experiencing it because he took it on himself. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God 
through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We've now received it. We've now received reconciliation. Jesus died for us so that we could have peace with God. <clears throat> and that opportunity is there for us to accept. Right? That's an invitation for us to accept today. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. <clears throat> and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat this, remembering that Jesus' body was broken for you. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Take and drink this, remembering that Jesus' blood was shed for you. I want to finish with a few verses out of Revelation chapter 1. It says, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. It says, Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. What a cool little picture, a big picture of your return, a cool picture of the gospel this morning that we've been able to see and the importance of your death on the cross in light of the fact that you're coming again. And we don't know when, Lord, but today we want to say we'll be ready. We'll be ready for your return. When you, when you come back, we're going to have you reigning in our hearts already and it'll just make sense that you come back. Lord, I can't wait to enter your kingdom that day and I pray that um, each one of us would be ready as well. I pray that um, in light of this picture of who you are, you know, when we, when we draw closer to you, God, and we get a real clear picture of who you are and what you've done and the way you're going to redeem the world, I pray that we'd be uh, pushed out into, uh, into the lives of others who don't know you to tell them the truth as well, to tell them with grace and hope, of course, but to, but to be honest about who we are and why we live the way we live and, and why, we're, why we're continuing to, to uh, live in relationship with you. And I pray that you'd help us to be bold in our, in our calling out to others to say, hey, he's coming. I'm not sure when, but you better be ready. It's a big deal. We thank you for this.
in Jesus' name.